0: Hello you look as if you're doing really well. I hope that, I hope that you are doing as well as you seem to be doing <laughs> I have quite a few things to get to, to get through this afternoon, so I hope I hope we do a good job of, of, of doing that um, I'd like to uh, Talk a little bit about forgiveness, because I'm sure that um, with the practice of the difficult person, can you hear me? (laughs) That with the practice of the difficult person, uh, I can't imagine that the issue of forgiveness is not coming up. And um, it's, it's not a simple Um, issue, because when we have been harmed, hurt, betrayed, abandoned, abused, uh, forgiveness sometimes can seem to be out of the question. And yet, unless we find some way to forgive, and it's not to say that we are Um, condoning the acts of harm, but that forgiveness is really not about the other person or their behavior, but really about our own relationship and with our past. As as, uh, Mark quoted Jack Cornfield the other day, forgiveness is giving up all hope of a better past. And so it's about our relationship with the past, not really so much about the acts of harm that have been done by the perpetrator. So the Buddha said if it were not possible to free the heart from entanglement in greed, hate, fear, and delusion, I would not teach you or ask you to do so. So this forgiveness, the power of forgiveness is that it releases us from the power of fear. And this practice of metta can be enhanced by our practice of forgiveness because it allows us to see with kindly eyes and to rest in a wise and peaceful heart So in any moment, we can learn to let go of hatred and fear and rest in peace and forgiveness. It's never, ever too late. (laughs) But in order to cultivate a truly loving and kind heart, we need to develop the practices that cultivate and strengthen forgiveness and also the natural compassion within us, because I believe that uh, our ability to forgive makes some space for our ability to meet suffering, that of our suffering, as well as the suffering of others with a kind heart. There's a wonderful obituary of uh, Maha Gosananda who was no who' was a, a, a Theravadan monk who was known as the uh, Gandhi of Cambodia and uh, this is from his obituary in of all magazines The Economist and they talk about uh, uh, Gosananda with deep respect, Uh, and they talk in this obituary about him leading what's called Dhamma Dhamma Yetra, or Pilgrimages of Truth, in the early 1990s, well after the signing of peace accords to end the civil war between the um, remnants of the Khmer Rouge and the new Vietnamese-backed Cambodian government. They said, he often found war still raging. Shells screamed over the walkers and firefights broke out round them. Some were killed. The more timid ran home, but Gosananda had chosen his routes deliberately to pass through areas of conflict. Sometimes the walkers found themselves caught up in long lines of refugees, footsore like them, trudging alongside ox carts and bicycles piled high with mattresses and pans and live chickens. Gosananda insisted, we must find the courage to leave our temples and enter the suffering-filled temples of human experience. He walked among uh, the refugee camps and chanted hate, the Buddha's words, hate can never be appeased by hate. Hate can only be appeased by love. You might sometimes hear that as hatred um, never ceases by hatred, but by love alone it is healed. That is the eternal and enduring law. They said that when they caught his chant, soldiers laid down their arms and knelt by the side of the road. Villagers brought water to be blessed and plunged glowing incense sticks into it to signal the end of war. He could not stay out of the world. Rather than devoting himself to monastic scholarship, he built hut temples in the refugee camps, and, and I know from the, the, the story is that he built those Temples, even though he was told by the remnants of the Khmer Rouge that if he dared to open these temples, he would be killed. And yet, what would happen is thousands of people of refugees would show up from seemingly nowhere when he opened these temples. And he handed out dog eared photocopies of the Buddha's Metta Sutta or words of love with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings, radiating love over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depth. On his walks, his message remained the same. It needed no complication. The work he knew would be slow, step by step, as he liked to say. It would continue as long as Cambodians felt divided from each other and brutalized by their past. It's a powerful um, reminder of what forgiveness can do because his family was wiped out by the Khmer Rouge and uh, monks like him were called social parasites defrocked, forced into labor fields, or murdered, and out of 60,000, only 3,000 were left alive, and those had fled. And he slowly built up um, the the tradition again in uh, Cambodia before he died. So forgiveness releases us from the power of fear and allows us to see kindly with a wise heart. So traditionally, the work of metta begins uh, with forgiveness, because it's the necessary ground for healing. And first, we need to be understanding of forgiveness, and then learn how it is practiced, and then uh, how we may forgive ourselves and others. Can you imagine what it would be like if the world were without forgiveness? Can you imagine what it would be like if every one of us carried every single hurt, every single resentment, all of the anger that comes up when we feel betrayed, if we just kept that in our hearts and never ever let it go? It would be unbearable. So without forgiveness, our lives become chained and we're forced to carry the sufferings of the past. And usually what then happens is we keep repeating the same cycle over and over and over again. So the work of forgiveness, as I said, is not so much for the offender, who's probably having a great time in Hawaii (laughs) while you're railing and keeping this bitterness in your heart. So the, we begin the work of forgiveness for, really, primarily for ourselves. And we've seen it in so many um, examples of people like Nelson Mandela, who had the, um, his, his jailer, the, the, the guard, who guarded him most of the time, sat he placed him at the front of um, the, the gathering he was right in front of him in the front row at, when he was inaugurated as the president of South Africa. And we've seen it in the Tibetans who have, who, Tibetan monks who have been jailed by the Chinese and who yet weep with compassion for what the acts of the Chinese will do for their, for, to, to the Chinese themselves. So even in the worst situations, the conflicts of Rwanda and Cambodia and South Africa and North, uh, Northern Ireland and Bosnia, all of these places, in order to go forward, they've had to find a path of reconciliation. Even in this country, um, the words of Martin Luther King are very powerful. He says, we shall match your capacity to inflict suffering by our capacity to endure suffering. We will meet your physical force with soul force. Do to us what you will and we will still love you. We cannot in all good conscience obey your laws and abide by the unjust system because non-cooperation with evil is as much a moral obligation as is cooperation with good and so throw us in jail and we will still love you. Bomb our homes and threaten our children and as difficult as it is, we will still love you. Send your hooded perpetrators of violence into our communities at the midnight hour and drag us out on some wayside road and leave us half dead as you beat us and we will still love you. Make it appear that we are not fit culturally and otherwise for integration, but we will still love you. But be assured that we will wear you down by our capacity to suffer. And one day we will win our freedom. We will not only win freedom for ourselves, we will so appeal to your heart and conscience that we will win you in the process and our victory will be a double victory. And finally, this is from um, Frank Ostaseski, who I mentioned the other day in my talk. He said, some years ago, I agreed to teach workshops on forgiveness and grief. Bernie Glassman, who is a famous um, Zen uh, priest who does a lot of work with homeless and uh, also does retreats at Auschwitz. We sit on the tracks, said Frank said, and I learned more about rage than about forgiveness. There were sur- survivors of the camps in Work In the workshops at Birkenau, the horse farms where prisoners lived, there were racks and racks in one of the barns, and those racks were racks where they kept, where people were um, living. One of the barns was children's racks. We did metta and karuna practice. It tore my heart open. In the middle of the night, one woman sat on a rack and just wailed. There we were in the darkness. She couldn't see me, but I was there, and I just stayed because it was clear I shouldn't interfere. I was leaving the next morning to teach a workshop in Berlin on forgiveness and grief. As I was saying goodbye, someone raised her hand. She said, I really want to forgive My heart is like stone. My father was a prisoner, and he died in the camps. And Frank said, in Germany, it's hard to say that because people just don't bring it up. They just don't do it. So he said, we sat in silence. Then another woman said, I want to speak. My heart is also like stone. My father was a guard, and I can't forgive him these two women walked across the room and just held each other. It was so brave. No one else could have done that for each of them. It was such a clear, vital, alive teaching that your suffering is my suffering. Such a clear example. It's not just my suffering, it is also your suffering. So, for great injustice, coming to forgiveness may include a long process of grief, and outrage, and sadness, and loss, and pain. And it's not that forgiveness papers over uh, what has happened in a kind of superficial way. You know, we plant a smile on our faces and say it's okay. I don't mind. It's not. Uh, a misguided effort to suppress our pain or to suppress uh, or to ignore it. So it's a deep process which is repeated over and over and over again in our hearts and it honors the grief and it honors the betrayal and in its own time, it ripens into the freedom to truly forgive. And of course, if we look at, honestly at our own lives, we can uh, see the sorrows and pain that have led to our own wrongdoing. So that it's not just that we are a victim; that sometimes we also need to be forgiven. And in this, we can finally extend forgiveness to ourselves and hold the pain that we have caused in some uh, in the heart of compassion. Without such mercy. Uh, will live in isolation or in exile. So this practice of uh, forgiveness comes in three Uh, three parts. The first is forgiveness from others. The second is forgiveness for ourselves. And the third is um, forgiveness for those who have hurt or harmed us. And this is not a coercive practice. So if we feel that... um, we don't want to ask for forgiveness, then we don't have to. If we think we can't forgive ourselves, we can sit quietly and see if there's any small, even tiny little opening in our hearts that can allow just the smallest amount of light to come in. And if we feel that we can't extend forgiveness, to others because we think that something is completely unforgivable, then we can know that too. And it's not that we blame ourselves, that we criticize ourselves, that we judge ourselves, that we think we ought to do it, but to just reflect on what, whatever resentment or bitterness we're holding, how that is working in our own hearts. And if you think that there is just a tiny little amount that you can forgive then that's fine too. Because as I said, it's a deep unfolding process that we can take over a lifetime to do, and that's perfectly fine. It's not, um, it's not that we coerce ourselves into doing it. So if you would sit comfortably And allow the eyes to close and the breath to be uh, natural and easy. And let the body and the mind relax. Feel your connection again to the earth. And breathe gently into your whole body, especially into your heart if you can. And none of these instructions, if any of these instructions feel uh, that you can't, as if it's not possible for you, Don't worry, you know how to do your own practice of um, loving kindness and compassion. And feel all of the barriers, if you can, that you have erected and the emotions you have carried because you have not forgiven. If you've not forgiven yourself or not forgiven others, and let yourself feel the pain of keeping your heart closed. And these three directions for forgiveness that I'm going to give you may be gently repeated until you feel a release in the heart. For some great pains, you may not feel a release. Instead, you may experience again the burden or the anger that you've held. And you can touch this softly and be forgiving of yourself for not getting, not being ready to go and uh, move on. It can't be forced or artificial. And again, just as we did with the difficult person, you may not want to take on the the largest thing that you've not been willing to forgive up to now, but maybe some small offenses, just to let the heart get some exercise in forgiveness, just like we do with the metta or the compassion practice. (laughs) So as you are breathing into your heart, and feeling any hardness there. You can repeat softly, repeat silently to yourself, there are many ways that I have hurt or harmed others. And I remember them now, ways that I have betrayed, abandoned, or caused suffering knowingly, or unknowingly, out of my pain, my fear, anger, or confusion. And you can let yourself remember and visualize the way you have hurt others. See pain that you may have caused out of your own fear and confusion, and sense that you can finally release this burden and ask for forgiveness. Take as much time as you need to picture the memory that burdens your heart. And as each person comes to mind, just gently say, I ask for your forgiveness. I ask for your forgiveness. And forgiveness for ourselves, just as I have caused suffering to others. There are many ways that I have hurt and harmed myself. I've betrayed or abandoned myself many times in thought, word, or deed, knowingly or unknowingly. And let yourself remember the ways that you have harmed yourself, and extend forgiveness for each act of harm one by one. For the ways that I have hurt myself through action or inaction, out of fear, pain, and confusion, I now extend a full and heartfelt forgiveness. I forgive myself. I forgive myself. I forgive myself. And then, in the third direction, for those who have hurt or harmed you, there are many ways I have been harmed by others, abused or abandoned, knowingly or unknowingly, by thought, word, or deed. And picture the ways you have felt harmed. Remember them. We've each been betrayed. Let yourself remember the ways that this may have been true for you and feel the sorrow you have carried from the past. And now sense that it's possible to release this burden by extending forgiveness gradually as your heart is ready, not forcing it, not thinking that every harm has to be forgiven in one sitting, but to just exercise in a very small way something that you think you are ready to forgive right now. I remember the many ways that I have been hurt, wounded, or harmed, and I know that it was out of another's pain confusion, fear, anger. I have carried this pain in my heart long enough. To the extent that I am ready, I offer you forgiveness. You who have caused me harm I offer my heartfelt forgiveness. I forgive you. And let yourself feel whatever small or large release there is in your heart, or if there is no release, notice that too. And if you are not ready to forgive, that's okay. Sometimes these may take a lifetime, and that's perfectly fine. You can unfold in your own time and in your own way. It was a very um, compact um, talk and practice about forgiveness Um, just to give you an idea of how you might if you want to do some forgiveness practice how you might work with it and um, again I can't say enough to work with it in a really gentle and kind way in, with the heart of loving kindness and compassion for yourself. And if you can feel compassion for the person that you are, either that you are asking for forgiveness from or that's, that you're extending forgiveness to, that's a really helpful base. And the practice of forgiveness will feed the practice of metta and the practice of metta will feed the practice of forgiveness. And again, it's not coercive. And it's not um, uh, entering into any kind of blame or shame. And But it might bring up your rage again. It might bring up your anger again. It might bring up your fear or anxiety. And treat those gently with a heart of kindness and, and compassion. I wanted to say one more thing before I open it for questions. Um, and that is that. One way I'd hope to do some practice with the um, with with the meta practice to the, to extend the meta practice to uh, groups of people. I know that uh, there was a question, uh, I think it was yesterday, about uh, whether we how we can extend extend meta or expand our meta to include. Our parents, our families, our children, our uh, grandparents, etc., and there is a, an expansion of the meta, which you might try in the next sit, and that is to groups. So you'll notice on the uh, chanting sheets that we have that in the I think it's the the, the first. The, Yeah, the third verse, it says, may my mother and father, teachers, relatives, friends, fellow dharma fairs, which means fellow yogis, etc., be free from enmity. May all yogis in this forest, may the guardian deities. And there is a way that we can expand the metta to include groups of people so that we don't feel as if because we're offering it to one friend that we can't then expand the meta to uh, our group of friends or my relatives or my parents or my children or my grandparents and that's the way uh, tomorrow we'll be expanding it to all beings so the um, the expansion into the groups is a way of bridging into all beings, so that we start first with people who are more personal to us—our teachers, our relatives, our friends, our parents, etc.—and um, in that way, our meta is rounded out to to then move into uh, all beings, which we've been doing as a radiation anyway. Um, just starting with people in this in this uh, building or in this hall. So I hope that that's. But that's clear. And if you have any questions, I'm happy to hear them. I see a hand. You have a definite question, I can tell. Um, does the practice uh, lead at some point to actual meeting with the person if they're still living? I'm sorry? So the question was, if the, if the person that we're forgiving is still alive, would the, would, uh, the, would the practice of forgiveness then eventually lead to a meeting with them? It's, it's totally up to you. It may be that there is a person that, that has been harmful to you that you never ever want to put in, have in your life again. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you embrace everything about this person or that you, um, you, know, or that you deny the harm that they that they have done and maybe are still capable of doing, so it's not as if by forgiving, you know, we become a doormat or we open ourselves to abuse again. But w- because the 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 practice of forgiveness is about what we do in our own hearts, and then what leads from that is entirely up to us. We're not um, we're not uh, leaving our discernment or our intelligence at the door, or our um, our wish for safety. Right. <coughs> so whether we want to meet with this person would, I imagine, depend on how safe we would feel doing that. We can certainly forgive somebody from afar. We don't have to take them back into our lives, as I think it's the um, uh, that, Dadat Gadat, a Hindu teacher of several of our teachers, said to never put another being out of your heart. And Sylvia, Borst, Borst, Sylvia Borstein said, Yeah, you can put them out of your life, but never put them out of your heart. Right? So if you need to put them out of your life, that's fine. You don't have to bring them back in. So the, the response that you get is very uncertain. Exactly. I saw another hand. Yes. You're welcome. I just wanted to ask um, if you could maybe put up the wording of the forgiveness sure. on the board. Sure. Be happy to. Yes, please. So uh, let me see if I understand the question, because I'm not sure I do. You're asking about how to work with relationships well, in, in terms of forgiveness? Forgiveness in relationships that are that are long-term complex relationships, like family. Um, you know, It's not like one isolated thing. Mm-hmm. It's like a history. Mm-hmm. So how to forgive not just one act, but a history of acts. Well, you may want to just start with one act, right? I, mean, I found that it was just sort of overwhelming in just sort of visualizing the person. It was over, I, I became overwhelmed and had a hard time even you know, finding one thing to focus on. Mm-hmm. So, you, you, so she felt some overwhelm just in going there with, into that relationship and had a hard time finding one thing to focus on so it may be that that's not where you want to go to start with your forgiveness practice that that where you you want to start with something that isn't quite so overwhelming and allow the heart to begin to exercise you know it's like a muscle that we exercise in our bodies you know we don't start with the 50 pound with the 500 pound weight right we start maybe with a couple of small barbells and you know and we do that to you know get the muscle going and then eventually it might be strong enough to go heavier and heavier and heavier. So it's the in the in the same way uh, with forgiveness practice. You may want to start you know small. Some small offense that you find is possible to forgive, and isn't so complex. And so you're working your way through. Um, your it's your own heart. You know so much of um, both of all of these practices. Um, that we're engaging in are practices to shift our internal relationship with our experience. And much of the time we get so caught by the external experience that's triggering uh, the internal response that we don't pay attention to the internal response. So many of these practices are designed to Um, redirect our attention to the internal response, to the relationship, to the external experience. And so the external experience just becomes a kind of um, uh, uh, agent for our work in shifting the way we relate to experience. Do you understand what I mean? So, um, So you may want to so, so what, since what we're doing, really, is looking at, how do I relate to this experience that's coming my way? How do I relate to the next experience that's coming my way? So if, if we want to train the mind and the heart to, relate, to shift its relationship to experience, we may not want to do it with like the, the worst, most egregious thing that's ever happened to us in our lives, but really start with something small say oh i can forgive that okay let me try it on and see what happens how does my heart feel when it starts out really closed and shut down and then gradually i can open it i can open so i can this too ah and this too and this too so that we're not um opening a flower with a hammer (laughs) you know because we sometimes try to do that or we think you know, we should go from here to, you know, to there in one leap, when in fact baby steps are perfectly fine, right? And I always, um, my, my mantra is that my uh, standard is, I just keep lowering my standards, <laughs> right? Good enough for government work is, my, is where I've gotten to right anything that's good enough for government work is just fine for this for now right so if i'm doing forgiveness right and i can forgive just this much that's good enough for government work <laughs> it's true it it works it really works then i'm not so critical of myself you know and i'm not so i'm not so forcing of what should be, ha- and I'm not you know, thinking some other big thing should be happening, and missing the small triumphs that are happening along the way. Yes, please. Can you do forgiveness practice for something that's ongoing? I mean, I'm asking particularly about forgiveness of yourself. And you know, the thing that occurred to me, I immediately thought, oh, I'm going to have to do this again next week. You know? I mean, it's, it's sort of it's <laughs> This, is this a trick question? <laughs> <laughs> so, so the question was um, whether we whether we can um, forgive dynamically. You know, to paraphrase what you're saying. So, what she's saying is that she's for, she's wanting to forgive herself for an ongoing dynamic, and she knows she's going to have to do it again next week, right? <laughs> so, um, hmm, that's a trick question. Uh, well, you know, I I think we can forgive forgive for the past, and also form an intention in that moment that we are forgiving ourselves, uh, even though we know that it's such an intractable pattern in our lives that it may may happen again. At that point where we're uh, forgiving ourselves for what we have done for the harm that we've caused in the past, we may also, just like we can say. Never again will we allow (coughs) harm to come to us from someone else. We can say, never again will we allow ourselves to perform an act of harm, knowing that we're human and that because of the intractable pattern, it may not come to pass. But we can at least form the intention. And then if it happens again, forgive ourselves again. And, you know, but not think oh i can keep doing it because you know i'm just going to forgive myself right you know yes please the last question So the question is that when you were trying to forgive a, a particular act you couldn't feel the the impact of the act. I'm sorry. I couldn't really feel like I mean I know was i was wrong, but I think I to... Right. So she knows that she was wrong, but she can't but you can't feel the impact of the of the wrong. Is that yeah. I'm because I don't want to put words into your mouth. Um and so it's, again, it's like the meta practice. You know, we're not trying to manufacture some kind of feeling, right? So if all you can muster is the understanding that it was harm, that's perfectly fine. Um, you know, emotions will come not because we force them to, but because they're there because they're an expression of some deep feeling inside. So if, as a result of the harm, you know, there, you, you shut down. There, there were ways in which your heart closed or, uh, or your, your feelings closed. You can acknowledge that, too, as part of the harm, right? But you don't have to manufacture some feeling of, oh, I feel rage, oh, I feel anger, oh, I feel sad, or whatever you feel, you feel. And whatever you don't feel, you don't feel. N- nothing in any of these practices are inviting you to manufacture some or fabricate some feeling that isn't there. And certainly metta is not so much a feeling as it is um, an attitude, just as forgiveness is an attitude. It's an attitude that, um, of, of welcoming and inviting and spaciousness rather than some emotion that we kind of you know pump up in our bodies and minds and hearts. So it's perfectly fine if you haven't felt rage or you haven't felt anger or you haven't even felt the way in which you've been harmed, that it's just an intellectual or a conceptual idea. So if that's, the, if that's what you want to forgive, you can bring it up, know what it is, and not have to have some particular kind of feeling about it, or even, even before or after the forgiveness. It's just like the meta practice. We keep doing it with some faith that, as we do the repetitions, that um, the body, mind, heart learns. Right. That's, what's the, that's the beauty of these practices, is that we learn that we're not in control so much of the fruits of our practice but we are in control of how we do the practice. Whether we do it with patience and diligence and determination and uh, wisdom and effort and energy is what we're in control of. We're not in control of then how it manifests in our life or what the fruits are. But we have some faith from past experience when we've seen that fruits do come, and they come in unexpected and delightful ways and sometimes in difficult ways right somebody wrote a note and said that she was having terrible dreams well you know that's sometimes the psyche trying to um, communicate with us and it may not be pleasant as you've learned i'm sure over these last few days it's not that we're doing meta and everything becomes you know lavender and roses i mean you know wouldn't that be great but it's not how it happens. So we're not trying to make anything happen because in the trying to make something happen, we will miss the beauty and the delight of what does happen. So thank you very much for your practice. It's time for walking. Thank you for listening.